Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. My next guest is Marty Jackness of Opportunity Maximizers Incorporated in Naples, Florida. And we're going to talk about opportunity, blindness, causes, and cures. And let me tell you a little bit about Marty. Is He's the president of a marketing, sales, and management consulting and training firm. And Marty is a highly ranked professional speaker, author, entrepreneur, and trainer who helps individuals and organizations gain and maintain a competitive advantage in their chosen markets and endeavors. So let's bring Marty on. Marty, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having you, Bill. It's a pleasure. Marty, it's it's our pleasure to have you on. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a little while now. I know that you're a Vistage speaker, and that's important. A lot of our listeners are Vistage members. And so uh, let's talk about how you got into this uh, this concept of opportunity maximizers. Um, get, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Oh, I was I was blessed uh, with a wonderful background and career. I worked at IBM for a number of years when they were number one in the world. Uh, then I was selling multi-million dollar leases. I was a founding officer and partner with Dr. Ellie Goldratt, and our firm was ranked the sixth fastest growing on the Inc. list for private companies in the U.S. Then I had my own management marketing cons- and consulting company and then was finally a senior VP and principal of the world's largest fudge company. But the interesting point, Bill, is in everyone's life, there's six days or events that are key to bring us where we are. And when I met Dr. Goldrap, interesting man, 180 IQ, went back 13 generations of writers and scholars in his family, and his dad was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence in Israel. But when we were successful, we had a board meeting. Ellie walks in and says, Marty, should I spend a million dollars on this? I said, no. He said, why? I said, I know it's not going to work. He says, why won't it work? I says, LES marketing and sales characters have, have a special uh, have a special gift called intuition. We, 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 I just know it won't work. He says, but it's in division. I said, Ellie, it's a combination of experience, education, and the third thing hard to describe we call gut. He says, what's gut? I said, Ellie, it's actually a feeling in my stomach that, that lets me know if it will work or not. He says to me, you mean to tell me I should invest a million dollars or not based on how your stomach should feel? And I said, yeah. He turns to me and says, Marty, what if it's gas? He, he, then, he, he, he then looks at me and says, Marty, you have to learn how to think. And I was a little offended because he's saying I'm thoughtless. So I, I, I went away and thought about it. And that night I couldn't sleep at all. I was two to 400% of everything I touched in sales and marketing in my life and realized I didn't know why. And how can I, you know, how, how can I leave the company safe when I when I when I go if, if I'm the rainmaker and it dies with me? So I, I tossed and turned all night, and finally came back the next morning and said, Ellie, you're right. I have to learn how to think. How do you learn how to think? He says that's for you to figure out. And that was a moment because I realized when we have kids, all they keep asking for the first number of years is why, mommy, why, daddy. And when and if you can answer the question, you watch that beautiful moment when they connect the dots and they grow. And that's how they learn. And then when they reach puberty, the why turns into I want, want, want. And unfortunately, we don't go back to why. 
that moment when Ellie said that to me, I realized the real key was why. And everything I'll be talking about today and what I've done the last 30 years was because I became proactively introspective. So that was my background. Thank you. That's fascinating. <laughs> Great story. And, you know, it, it really, uh, I'm sure there's a ton of people that can relate to that thinking, you know, I've done everything I've done on intuition, a gut feeling, I've built things, it's, it's worked out well, but what is the why? So let's talk about this uh, opportunity blindness, because this is one of the things that, that uh, you brought up here is opportunity blindness. And what do you mean by that, Marty? Um, I, I had a learning disability when I was a kid. I was 405th out of 412 kids, but uh, and I guess I saw the world differently. So everyone says, Marty, I can't see what you're seeing. Then I realized there's massive, massive, massive untapped, unleveraged opportunity in front of all of us at all times, and most people wear blinders going through life. And it's amazing because I'm seeing things they're not seeing. So I then had to intellectualize it. and So I came up with a, a little model or a little graph. And, and let's envision a, 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 a target, a bullseye. In the middle, we'll okay. call our comfort zone. And most of us live in that comfort zone. And then occasionally, Bill, if I said next week you have to speak to 500 CEOs on a topic you don't know, you'll be kind of afraid, but knowing you, you'll probably get together and, and, and do it. But your comfort zone will grow. And it'll grow. It'll stay larger for the rest of your life. Beyond that is a, is a new thing I call capability boundaries that keep us there. And they're either real or perceived, but they can be moved. Beyond that is a wonderful area which uh, no one defined before. I'm going to call it three levels of opportunity. Level one opportunities are things that are just there for the taking. If, so, if some, someone says, I need more sales, well, how many calls a day are you making? He says, 10. You know what? If you make 11, you'll have 10% growth, okay? Or, or if I can increase your hit rate, if you're getting two out of 10 hit rate, I can teach you how to get four, six, or eight. So just very subtle things can make a big difference. Come in a half hour early, half hour late, do this, do that. But there's a million things in every function, in every organization, if you open the opportunity thinking light on, it's there. And those are easy, level ones. Level two okay. opportunities, Bill, let's say you just have a college degree, and I say, Bill, if you go on for your CPA or a different degree, and it'll cost you 18 months and $60,000, you're going to wind up, for the next 20 years of your life, making 50 to 90,000 more a year. I think it's a worthwhile investment. Or if we buy a franchise, we make this investment, we, we have a very high probability we're going to have this return. Or if we added a new branch office or a new person. So level two opportunities are open. A lot of people don't even think them or research them. And the level three opportunities are the things where someone comes with a universal idea and they have resources and and it's a much more complex thing. But the guys who started Apple and, and Microsoft and PayPal and Google, uh, they, they know what it's all about. So I looked at it, and, and I make and I opened up people's minds and say, okay, take a look at what your level one, two, and three opportunities, and we defined them and created an environment where people can, can do it. So it's there for the taking. So I'm just saying we need to put on different opportunity lenses and filters, and it's there for us. I love that. That's very simple for our listeners. Again, it's uh, the three levels. One's there for the taking. It's just, it, it might be obvious to an outsider walking in. That's where a lot of consultants play in that space, right? They come in and say, look, if you do this, you know, what are you doing now? If you do a little more of this, a little less of that, then then uh, things will be working out for you. Level two is looking for those things that are kind of a backup to move forward or return on your investment type of a, a situation. Uh, and level three is that is is vast. It's it's huge. It's big. It's universal. And um, 
and that's where huge um, opportunities come from? Yes, absolutely. So when you come in and talk to someone, um, do you find that a lot of people are leaving a lot on the table by being blind to, say, um, especially level one is is pretty simple, but what's what's the potential growth just working in level one because they're there for the taking? Uh, that, that that that's a given just in the first session, but but you're, you're moving them on through it. But creating the the real trick in business is to gain and maintain a competitive advantage in your chosen markets and endeavors. And I believe that in order to get there, you have to initiate and sustain a culture of opportunity maximization, innovation, and continuous analysis and improvement. In other words. At the minute we slow down, our competitor is going to, is, is going to catch us. So we're, we're on this treadmill that's getting faster and higher, and just let's ex- accept it and get our people ready for it. And there's different tools and techniques that I've created which help people think and act differently. I have one tool where I call it a universal planning and communication methodology. And, and I, I do, when I've done, I've, I've presented for Vistage for 20 years to, you know, almost 200, you know, groups. And, and I do a little exercise with the CEOs, and, and, I, and I demonstrate very clearly that most people don't even have a, an objective, or if it is, it, it's a self-limiting one. So I've given them a different technique, which will allow them to shoot higher and, and get much more from it and, and align, align everyone's understanding of what the possibilities are. So besides just saying opportunities there, there's a different language and perspective. So every day you go in, you know you have to think differently. And it's very simple and very, very powerful, that kind of thing. Why do you think most people have a self-limiting type of uh, outlook on, on their, their life or their business? I, I think we have self-limiting belief systems and planning systems. And, and I think that we have to take a step back. And I think because we mean well and we caution people against doing things, we inhibit them. I, I'm working on a concept called bumblebee moments. Uh, one scientist looked at a bumblebee and said, my God, given, given its size and its wings and its aerodynamics, it, it probably shouldn't fly. Thank God it, can't, it couldn't read, otherwise we'd have no pollination. Uh, <laughs> when I was started the company with Ellie, I, I needed money. I needed you know, a, a bank loan, and they, they were all secured. So I went to the bank and spoke to the folks and went back to the meeting, and they said, Marty, you can't get an unsecured you know, line of credit. I said, oh, I, I, I'm glad you didn't tell me that earlier because I pulled it out of my attache. I, I, I did it because I didn't know it couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And there's an awful mm-hmm. lot. I, I was in the low 5% of my graduating class and walked in off the street to IBM and, and wound up with what something I did in the interview allowed me to get hired instantly, and I was in the top 2% the next eight years. Mm-hmm. But if I listened mm-hmm. to people that I shouldn't even waste my time, I wouldn't be there. So we have these self-limiting belief systems that we should challenge. Not not crazy, but at least do that. So uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's an awful lot there, but you have to change the mindset, and it starts with us as leaders. We have to create a culture and, and make it okay for people. I want to know if someone's doing something really crazy, but I, I want to give them uh, the opportunity to step out of the zone and take prudent risk. You know, there's a lot of uh, consulting services out there. There are a lot of coaches, a lot of these types of things, and they all have a kind of a standard or traditional approach. What's, it sounds like you have a different approach. Tell us what's different about your approach, Marty. Um, we're different in a lot of ways. One is 
we're, we've all been there. We've done it. A, a, a lot of consultants, I met a lot of consultants never really did it. I started companies from scratch, so we know what it's all about. And we do things that are practical and, more importantly, that are experiential. When I teach, like, negotiations, I teach it in the morning, and, and over lunch I send people out in teams uh, to go to a different restaurant. And I want them to negotiate with the restaurants or where we should have our class dinner using all the concepts we talked about in the morning, win-win, et cetera, and, and, and know which currencies they're using. And I want them to come back and using the techniques we taught for presentation, present to the class their findings, then we'll vote where we go. We wound up with getting 40 to 60% savings on our, on our meal in, in our dinner, and we had all these ex- extras that we never would have gotten anywhere else, and everyone knew instantly that what we talked about theoretically in class, we did, and they know everything's negotiable. And then I do a, an exercise with a company where I can take a team of people uh, that never work together intimately and in 14 minutes create a highly functioning self-directed work team, which usually yields about four orders of magnitude increase in productivity, and then we can derive all the principles of good management and leadership from that 14 minutes. So we're those different. Are both, and, yeah, those are, those are both brilliant um, uh, teaching mechanisms where you actually you teach and then you send people out to immediately reinforce and and learn uh, these negotiating tactics and then they come back and compare them. That's that's pretty. Uh, I've never heard of that before. That's very brilliant. And then they also the 14 minute work teams sounds intriguing. Um, how would what are some of the basic recommendations you would have for our listeners about thinking, negotiating, and developing better work teams? Well, it's it's not just the work teams. It's there's an I just I'll give you some examples of things they could walk away with that are huge. Okay, one is you you have to change the whole culture. You can't change one department. If I double your manufacturing capability and we can't sell it, what good is it? So you have to look at the whole organism and have everyone buy into the the, the belief of the future and that you have to be an opportunity maximizing company. But there's so many immediate things that you can do. You can do an opportunity audit of your existing customers and say how much of their business that they're giving to other companies that I could supply, could I be supplying? So instead of going out for new business, there's an awful lot right there. It's an awful lot easier selling a customer than a prospect. I would make that that, that thinking tool, my MPV tool, that universal planning and communication tool, a common tool in, in the company, a new language. So if someone walks into your office, I want them to know that I'm going to ask them what their plan is, and, and they have to be thinking that it's not a singular plan, but it covers the range of things. I'd want them to be really current in technology. The, the world is changing so rapidly. When I travel now, I'm, I'm dictating on, on Dragon, and, and within a few minutes I have a new article. I hit a button. It's text or email to my assistant, and it's ready by the time I get to the office. I'm, I'm much more efficient because technology is going to allow me to gain and maintain that competitive advantage. I think you should create your own customized decision support teams, just like Vistage. You know, it, I was there for 16 years, and I, I was, you know, even though we think we know it, we don't. And it's really great to have 13 other really cool guys who can help you make more timely, fair, and informed decisions. I, when I was retiring, they they hired a firm for six weeks to capture all the intellectual capital I developed the last 20 years. It was an intriguing process. So most of us guys, we've been there, but we never had time to really think of everything we did and what it is and why it works. So I believe you should create a living lab and idea clearinghouse to capture, codify, modify, and communicate those best practices to the next generation behind us. 
And I th- the other big issue is most companies never even have a standard for what a 10 presentation is about my company, my products, my services, and the outcomes. And when they present it, they present it in the wrong fashion to, to motivate anyone to do anything. So I came up with a new standard and criteria for how to reorganize that to dramatically increase the awareness and understanding and the hit rate that you have. And those are just some very simple things that one can do, uh, you know, to, to make a huge difference. Uh, you know, it, what, you, what you're talking about, it sounds like, is a, a lot of just squeezing more orange juice out of the orange, basically. A lot of firms could just go back and uh, if you picture a, a sliced orange and they just do a, a mild squeeze on it, and that's all they're doing right now, if they really go back and grind that thing and get a lot more juice out of it. Uh, but like you said, technology is changing quickly, and how you communicate and capturing some of that, that intellectual, really, uh, assets that you have, that capturing some of those, those processes, there are amazing tools that are um, emerging uh, that al- allow firms to capture more of that intellectual data and use it more efficiently. It's an amazing time we live in with all that technology, isn't it, Marty? Oh, it is. And, and one example of, of, of someone who did, I had a customer who inherited a company from his dad, 100-year-old company, and they were having trouble, and he was very upset, had to lay people off and everything. And he says, Marty, I want to get rid of this company. I, I, I've had it. And I said, well, let's wait about that. But if you're going to get rid of it, what do you want to do when you grow up, when, when you leave? Do you want to retire or work? I want to work. Do you want to be – then I put criteria. Do you want to be an Indian or cheap? I want to be an Indian. Do you want to have equity? So we had eight, eight or nine key criteria of, of what someone should have for a job, and then we prioritized it. Then I said, just for kicks, let's see how well that your current situation fits. We went click, click, click. Everyone was perfect. I said, my friend, uh, you're where you should be. If you're unhappy with your dad, send, write a nasty letter, but don't send it. If you want to change the name of the company, do it, but it's been working for 100 years. I'd keep it. Why don't we just fix it? So we did a Green Beret meeting, and, and we looked at what we can do with existing clients because I had an 18- to 24-month lead time on new business. So we had to squeeze that lemon, whatever, get those ideas out first while the other seeds were germinating, the level two and level three seeds. And so we did the Green Beret meeting, and we went from a million-dollar loss to a million-dollar profit in nine months, two million the next year, and three million the third year. So it's not just squeezing it. It's squeezing it while you're putting the better seeds in. Aha. Uh-huh. Great input. And so when when a firm out there when you first they first come to you and they say, "Marty, we've we've heard you speak. We love what you have to say. We want you to come help us." What are some of the low the the initial front burner issues that they tell you that they have that they want to uh to work on? Most most all of them want want business generation. And that's every it's not only marketing says it's the whole process. I want to have a system that will give me predictable, repeatable business, and I, want to, and I want to be able to meet and exceed the value requirements and expectations of my customers and prospects better than all the other available alternatives. So what I do first, and, and by, with, with any of your listeners, we, we do a complimentary go-to-meeting where we just talk about what their issues are, and we mind map it with them. And whether they become a client is, is unimportant. We, we share some good ideas, and if we help them on their journey, great. If they're a client, even better. But first, I want to make sure that what people want is not necessarily what they need. So we go through a process of really understanding what are the core things that they need in order to get where they want to go. Because I, I, I don't believe in selling. I believe in, in giving people what they need versus, you know, selling stuff. So we, we do that as, as a courtesy. And, and, we have, you know, so we like to earn the right to do business with people. 
Sure, it makes a lot of sense. Now, Marty, we're, we're out of time for today, but it has been fascinating. A whirlwind 20 minutes. Again, Marty Jackness of Opportunity Maximizers, Inc. Marty, how do our listeners get in touch with you best? Uh, it, well, it Maximizers has a Z in it, by the way. So it's Opportunity Maximizers, Inc. They can, they can call me at 516-816-4464 or email me at imartyj at AOL. Uh, dot com um and um and, and and we'd be delighted to talk and uh, and i have a lot of articles on what we talked about here on opportunity blindness and a number of things so i've been in ink and success and that sort of thing so we have a lot of a lot of materials we can give folks on their journey okay and just to and clarify really, that i'm sorry it's a i m a r t y j at aol.com yeah. is the email address fascinating Correct. Great, great uh, information. I took about two pages of notes just in our last 20 minutes, and I hope our listeners did too, Marty. And I would love to have you back sometime soon uh, to, to dig more into some of this, because I know that we've just scratched the surface today, and it's been, been fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us. Bill, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and, uh, and have an awesome day. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take, take a short break right now. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. Business owners, if you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 